everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent on League podcast, a show which thankfully has not been snowed off, unlike many other things, including Tuesday night's football. But I must tell you, I'm sat in Tesco's car park in Maidstone and it is very dicey. I've just had a, uh, a very iffy trip walking to the supermarket and back, but I'm in one piece, which is which is good news. Anyway, as always, I'm John Phipps and on the line now is Matt Gerrard. The snow's been horrendous here in my part of the county, but how's it been down in your coastal part of Kent? Not too bad. Is your bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich okay? I was worried about that. You dropped that on the floor when you were coming back from Tesco's. I haven't actually got that, that particular sandwich, but yes, everything is fine because it was going to be... I, I was concerned. I did nearly go on, on the way back and you know that could have been disastrous. I've got milk and all sorts in there. That could have been a right old mess. And I'd imagine frozen milk in a car park probably wouldn't be too nice. <laughs> Again, you may want to... I presume if you're watching, sitting in the car now, I'm sure you'll probably... By the time we finish recording this, how many people do you think you'd have seen fall over? <laughs> I will keep a keen eye because I am sat in the car. I mean, the, the the main paths are all right. It's just the bits next to where all the cars are coming out. So um, but I will keep a, a close eye and we will have a stack count come the end of the show. Um, uh, snow around here. Well, we don't normally get it where we are because we're so close to the sea. But um, uh, woke up, was it? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. A bit more overnight. So but the roads were a lot worse where we were today than they were the previous day. But, um, yeah, I don't know if we get any more because um, you see it sort of thinking they're going to keep avoiding Friday sort of on the weather. So um, I do like a bit of snow, to be honest. So uh, a bit of fun. I've had a snowball fight with the kids. So uh, all in all, a bit of fun. But if we get any more, we'll have to see because I think it may affect Saturday's football as well. I think it's going to. I mean, we've had a good six inches of snow in, in Sittingbourne and, um, you know, Clearing the car off this morning to go to work was was quite the task. But uh, anyway, even though the weather has hit really bad, we've still got three interviews for this week. Well, 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 two and a half, really, as one of them is just a snippet from a longer piece that you're going to hear next week. Given the current conditions of forecast, I thought it might be sensible to save something over. Um, It's the 31st episode of the show this week, and as well as being a Fahrenheit number we'd all love to see uh, on the temperature gauges, it's also the day of the month my dad's birthday falls on. He's never listened to a podcast, there's no idea how he would anyway, so I'm sure he'd be thrilled that we mention him here on the Kent Non-League podcast, as always. My dad's birthday is also on the 31st. Well, must be... (laughs) Which month's your dad's? January. Oh, yeah, you see, no, mine, mine's May, so, you know, not not quite that closely in tune, but there you go. Um, it works well, though. It works well with the link, doesn't it? Perfectly. Perfect. Absolutely spot on. Um, this week's show, though, we've gone a bit top-heavy with the interviews. All three of them are actually from the National League clubs. We will start, though, with the team whose focus this week wasn't the league, but the FA Trophy. It was probably a frustrating one for Bromley, as... Spennymore kept them at bay on Saturday, the National League north side holding out for a 0-0 draw at Hayes Lane to earn a replay. The draw was made and the winners will play either Leighton Orient or Gateshead in the two-legged semi-final, so non-National League side will definitely be waiting in the final. Given the weather, I wasn't at all surprised that the replay scheduled for Tuesday was called off. But as you'll hear now, that wasn't quite the case for Neil Smith, the Bromley manager. It's a great interview, this one, and stick with it for the comments on the 3G pitch right at the end. Game's off tonight. You're, you're not surprised by that, are you? Uh, well, we were because we, um, we were told it would definitely be on. So we, we actually started making travel. Uh, we were on our way to the game um, and, and had everything booked up there for, you know, pre-match. But yeah, so to get the call uh, when we did was a little bit of a surprise because we, we, we spoke to them um, quite a lot the day before and they were adamant the game would go ahead. How far so, were you when, when it was called off? Well, no, we were lucky. We only got to uh, North London. 
Um, and then we turned around because we were leaving first thing this morning. Um, they, 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 as I said, they, they didn't, they had covers on the pitch and they were adamant that the, the game would go ahead. So we're surprised that they left it till this morning because we, we did ask them to do it last night. But um, we prepare for Chester instead now. So, uh, you know, that, that one's been put to bed and we'll, we'll concentrate on that one next week. Yeah, well, looking back to Saturday, I mean, it, from the looks of it, you had a, you had a lot of chances. Was it a missed opportunity, do you think? It, it was. Um, to be fair to Spennymore, they, they, were, they were very, very good. And, um, you know, they set up very, very well against us in the first half. Um, I don't think we got we didn't get going at all. Um, but in the second half, um, we speeded the passing up a little bit more and we created chances. But again, their keeper was outstanding and um, kept us out. So as in why we, we got the replay. And obviously, the, the, you know now if you do get through the replay, it will be a, an all an all national league tie if you get through Leighton Orient or Gateshead. But I guess you're not thinking about that at the minute, are you? Not, not at the moment. You know, we, we would have done um, coming home from the game tonight, but uh, you know, win or loss. Um, but no, we obviously having Orient or Gateshead. The, the way things have gone so far, if we'd have won, we'd probably get Gateshead away. We've done a lot of travelling in this cup, and uh, would have been another one, but. Um, no, that's that's going to be a tough tie. Our one's going to be a tough tie, and um, no, whoever whoever gets through the next round, they'll they'll, they'll be tough games again. You say you put a lot of travelling, and I worked it out before the before the draw that you've done about fifteen hundred miles of travelling in this FA Trophy so far. And you've got, obviously got a lot more when you go to Spennymore as well. Exactly, we, you know, we, we we just said it. You know, we get home draw home draw against Spennymore Town. Everyone expects you to win. We don't. We we get a replay, and we got to go up north again, and then you pull out. You know. If we were to get through, we'd love, we'd love the Orient one just for location. But as I say, knowing our luck, we get the uh, Gateshead away, um, and it would be a hell of a story because we'd, we'd probably have travelled around the world just to try and get to the trophy final. <laughs> exactly, and um, I mean, just generally, you're having a pretty good season, aren't you? Absolutely. You know, if someone said to me um, at the beginning of the season, you know, going into February, um, you'd be in the just outside the playoff. Or, or in the playoffs and the quarterfinal or the FA Trophy I just had their hands off um, I think people understand as um, you know one of the favourites to get relegated um, so we you know we made sure that wasn't going to happen and for us to have 52 points going into you know the end of February you know we know we're, we're pretty much safe now and you're just outside the playoffs with games in hand you know we've, we've got everything to play for it's going to be difficult because there's a few teams in that sort of um, area you know Maidstone obviously having a bit of a difficult time but they were in there you've got Ebbsfleet that moved above us now so um, it, it makes up for you know a really good um, march now so um, you know I, what I've said is I want to take this season into the actually the you know last couple of weeks and, and hopefully into May and uh, fingers crossed we can do that yeah, I mean, you seem to be playing some good football as well. And, and, and Louis Dennis has been brilliant for you, hasn't he, this season? Yeah, they all have. And, and Louis just happens to be the, you know, the, the spark at the top. You know, he scored 18 goals in all competitions, the most he's ever scored. He's played more games than he's played. You know, we're playing him in a different role. Um, but I've got, I've got a team of that. I've got Gregory in goal that's kept out, you know, keep, keeping on our 14 clean sheets so far this season. And, and we'd love that to carry on. You know, the, the two boys at the back, Jack Holland and, whether it's Roger Johnson or um, Ben Shorley, you know, have been outstanding. And, and, you know, I could go through the whole team that wanted that one. Adio, you know, Josh Reese, but have been outstanding. So as a group of boys, we've been brilliant. And as I say, Louis just seems to be the catalyst of, uh, of all of that at the moment. And you mentioned him there, Roger Johnson. I mean, obviously he's a player with, with a wealth of experience. How did you manage to get him to come to Bromley? Um, long story, but, you know, 
it was it was a bit of coincidence, a bit of fate, if you want to, if you like. I was we were going into Dover in the FA Cup, and I, I only had one centre half, and uh, we were trying all different routes of trying to get someone, and then someone just phoned up, and said Roger Johnson could be free. Would you be interested? You know, snapped snap their hands off, and uh, since he's been in, he's been absolutely brilliant. You know, he's a top class pro, played in played in the Premier League, he's won the League Cup, got to an FA Cup final. Um, and he's got a wealth of experience, like you're saying, and, and, and the young boys are just thriving off it at the moment. And um, you know, he played on Saturday, got man of the match, and his experience got us through the game in the end because you know he's a player that's been there and done it. And obviously, you mentioned it earlier. You move on to Chester this Saturday, providing that the weather sort of sorts itself out. But you know that they're having troubles off the pitch, and all you can do is go there and put in your best performance. Yeah, look, we, we, we don't like to see anybody in that situation. You know, any club, and I know Mark has been very well, and I don't like to see him in that situation. But we've got to go up there. We've got our own agenda. We've got to make sure the boys are focused on solely on us, not, not anything else. You know, hopefully get the result, come away, and then you, you, your fingers crossed that Chester can sort their financial difficulties out and stay, in the, you know, stay afloat. Um, they're a fantastic club. They've got a lovely stadium and everything else that goes with it. But, you know, whatever their problems are, unfortunately, up until after the game, they're, they're not my problem. I've got, I've got to make sure my team go up there focused and uh, we go, you know, all guns blazing for the, for the points. But obviously, there is concern for clubs like Chester because they are a fantastic club. They've got a lovely history about them. You know, it was fantastic to see all the old boys going back and doing a bit of fundraising and you, you hope they can sort all their, 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 their problems out and fulfil their dreams of staying in the division. You know, a lot more travelling for that as well, isn't it? Up to Chester, back down, back up to Spennymore. You, you must be used to being on the road. I read an article once where you, t- you t- had someone on the coach from, from 442, didn't you? So you must be used to the, the, the long travelling. Yeah, yeah. They come to one of our talk. They come to a talkie game where we left at seven o'clock in the morning and got home at three o'clock in the morning the next day. Um, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't do a lot of overnight stays. We do the, we do the train travel, which is fantastic. You know, um, you know, we, we go up there as a group. We, we get a result we come back as a group and I think the train travel at the moment make life a lot easier you know I was doing everything on the on the coach back in my day and it was very slow but if you're driving on a coach in this weather you, know, you never know what's going to happen so yeah we're used to the travel the boys have been absolutely brilliant we prepare as best we can we go up there you know we might have a stop off and have a little bit of lunch or we, we get something made and we can hand it out on the train but um, we, we try not to give anybody any excuses it is what it is and we, we just got to crack on and just finally, we talk a lot about 3G pitches. There is a lot of talk about it and, you know, concerns over what may happen if teams get in the playoffs. But I guess Bromley knew what the situation might be at the start of the season when they put the pitch down. And there's no regrets about that decision. No, because it brings in a, a, re- a revenue to the club that helps me get the players that I've got in, get in. Um, it's also brought the club closer together. You know, our youth and our academy train alongside the first team. We can train every day because we haven't got to worry about, you know, the pitch being snowed under or frozen because we, we can train on it. So it gives us, you know, all-round coverage on training side. But it, it, for me, it, we, we knew what we were signing into. Did we expect to be where we are this season? Probably not. But we'll come to the situation if at the end of the season, you know, we, we fulfilled the dream, then we'd look at the you know, what we have to do after that. But at the moment, you know, we, we concentrate on just making sure we do the best we can every every Saturday and Tuesday. But for me, it's, it's the fact that it's brought the, the community and Bromley Football Club together. You know, the supporters can come down and watch us train. It's, it's open access all the time. We have our youth, we have our Bromley ladies, we have our girls train on there, we have our summer camps train on there, our Easter camps. And they all see the first team. So they, they become 
you know, part of part of this team, and um, that's why we put it down. We wanted to bring this as a community hub, and it's worked. Now, if we were to get promotion, we've got to change it. I've been I've been told by the board they will. Until that happens, you know, we'll we'll carry on the way we are. Matt, I really enjoyed chatting with uh, Neil Smith there, and I think he said some really interesting things. Um, but we'll start by talking about the trophy first. You get the feeling that might be a missed opportunity for Bromley on Saturday. Uh, I think it probably was. Spenny Moore, you were correct. You know, I think they beat, beat Tunbridge Wells in the trophy back, or the Vars back in 2013, I think. So, a bit of a cup pedigree. They've gone through the leagues. You'd have thought Bromley, who are free scoring, would score against the side uh, from a lower level. But apparently, Neil Smith said that the keeper had a great game. Yeah, I've got a funny feeling. You know, they've been to Bishop Auckland, they've been to Blythe Spartans. Now they go to Spennymore. Is it, is it going to be third time? You know, going up north, and it's not going to work in their way. It's going to be a really tricky tie, I expect. Up at Spennymore, they'll be up for it. But they want to get back to Wembley, so it's going to be a really tricky tie. Whenever that game will be played, probably maybe next week. Now I would have thought next year, if permitting. But yeah, you, you do think they maybe should have done it on their own pitch, on their own 3G surface. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a case. You know, they they had a lot of chance. You just couldn't quite get that that one to go in. And and I thought it was very funny there when I said to him, you know, you've racked up the miles. He said, yeah, well, no, no, like if we get through, we're bound to get gate said, so we've got to go all the miles. I mean, it, it probably not the ideal draw that they would have wanted, I, I suppose. But uh, as Neil Smith said, though, he doesn't want to think about that. His only focus now is on Chester. And on Chester, I thought he spoke really well about their off the field problems too. Yeah, Chester have been through this before. I think. You know, there, there is a benefit of having fan ownership and rather than a, a main owner that like we've seen with pulling the money out. But sometimes your heart rules your head with being a fan owner and clearly that's done with Chester. The money situation they've got in, I, I think Chester are going to go down. I didn't think, looking at the league table, you know, a 2-1 up at the weekend against Dagenham and lost 3-2, two in the last few minutes. So I think they're going down. Maybe that's a blessing for them at the moment. Maybe they can regroup again. But Marcus Bignett was a sort of a manager of Chester, who was doing really well at Solihull, got the degree to Grimmage, that didn't work out. Got to, to Chester as well, it hasn't really worked out for them. And I, I see he's under a bit of pressure there, and he might even lose his job. So, uh, maybe because he's probably got on too much money. Yeah, but it's a strange one. They have a good chance for, for that Bromley to get in there. They've got a week to get back in the playoffs. And I think the best thing about what he said is that the chairman said that if they go up, they would look to get rid of the pitch. And uh, the 3G service, of course. And I, and I know that they have got 3G services, behind one of the stands as well. So I don't know how much, you know, if they did go back to grass, how would much it would affect them? Because they probably utilise those pitches as well. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. As, as I said to, to Neil Smith, I mean, Sutton have made some slightly different cases because they came up with their 3G pitches, but Bromley knew exactly what sort of situation they were getting themselves into when they put that pitch down in the summer. They will have known that the, the deal was if they went up, they would have to tear it up. I don't think at the start of the season they would have thought they'd be in the shake-up but it's, it's, I thought it was really interesting to hear Neil say that, you know, we are sitting here, we we know the situation and we will take that step. We, if it's necessary, that's what we'll do to, to follow the dream. And I, I really like that. Yeah, I think probably have gone through the leagues. Uh, Jerry Dalton, chairman, has come through from the various uh, leagues and he's built the club up. You know, you think of the ground five years ago, it's nothing like it was now. So they've done a really good job there. Neil Smith, passionate manager, um, good ownership. And it's the first one we've sort of said that they would say rip up the pitch, which is quite interesting. When you look at where Sutton are in the league at the moment, there has been a few articles about what they would do. Um, yeah, quite interesting. At least Bromley and Neil Smith have said that. Yeah, we will rip up the pitch if they get promoted. 
I, I presume they've looked into this as well because it seems to be the concern is that it takes two months or something to better pitch down. But maybe that's not the case. But even you can even push grass over the top of the three G as well. So if they went down that route, you can rip the grass up and you're back to the three G. So various things. But fair play to Bromley. They get in the playoffs. I'm thinking they may just miss out at the moment, but at least the options are there if they do carry on their fine form, which has been good of late. Yeah, so I was, I was really impressed with Neil Smith there. I thought I thought he spoke really well, and I really do wish Bromley, as I do all of our Kent teams, all the best for the rest of the season. And I think they might just make it. You know, if they can get a little bit of momentum, it, a lot will depend on how they got on in the trophy. If they were to go out uh, to Spennymore on, on Saturday or on Tuesday next week, you know, their focus will be solely on that league, and they're a good side. They're a dangerous side, and and you heard him say there he can hardly talk about how many good players he's got in his squad, how impressed he's been with them all. And I think that if they can get a bit of momentum, there's no reason why they, much like Ebbsfleet and, and possibly Dover, could, could all still get in there. It, it's still all up for grabs, isn't it? Uh, I think maybe some of the maybe the top six are probably gone. From my looking at it, unless you know, they have a bad form, I think. Some of these sides are now playing for seventh place, right? Absolutely, you're in seventh at the moment. And Dover are probably behind them, etc., like that, and Farwell as well. So, um, yeah, it's go- it's going to be tight, but momentum is the key thing. You've got to make sure if you know, the, you know, the unthinkable happens and they go out of the spending, well, they've just got to forget about that because you know, those players must have in the back of their mind when they started next week that we've got a great chance of Wembley here, and, and uh, we, don't, we don't want that blowing their confidence a little bit with it coming so, coming so close to get there. Last week, Matt said that he fancied Maidstone to upset the form book on Saturday, and it looked as though they were going to. As I may have mentioned a few times last week, I was in Spain last week with a limited access to media, and when final score finally started on BBC Two, the Stones were looking good, still winning. But two late goals not only took away a win, but saw Trambia making the trip back up to the Wirral with all three points. What a sucker punch that is for the Stones. That's an absolute body blow, isn't it? Again, two in the last few minutes, two in the space of a minute as well. An own goal as well, which is just not working for them. I did fancy them against Tranmere a little bit. Yeah. Backs against the wall. and Nobody expected them to get something from it. Good performance. I think they had chances to kill the game off because Tranmere didn't particularly play very well. And you know, Mason did their homework on them. But yeah, a bitter blow. Nothing's really working for Mason. They're not keeping clean sheets as well, which is a real concern. They'll have to score goals to win games. They've lost Piggott. Lafayette came in, scored from the spot. But again, the strikers aren't really firing at the moment, which is going to be a concern. It's, you know, they scored two goals um, on Saturday, but I'm a bit concerned, A, they're conceding goals, B, where their goals are going to come from. So, big time, people like Sam York really got to step up for them. What a big game it is this weekend for them as well, I have to say. that is, um, If they lose that, that could be a, a real blow to them to go into Solihull, which is a tough place to go. It does that. That will suck them right into. I mean, we're sort of looking at the table, thinking, "Oh, there's quite a gap between them." But Solihull are obviously a team in form, and you know that they're a bit rejuvenated under under Mark Yates there, and and that is a that is a big old game. And of course, Maidstone followed that up on Tuesday with a home tie against the leaders Macclesfield. So, you know, it's it's a big week for Jay Saunders and Maidstone. Yeah, I probably fancy them more against Macclesfield than maybe I would do against Solihull. They're five points clear of Solihull at the moment. That Solihull win that if they beat them, and then they've got a game in hand as well. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be tough for them. The thing, but I fancy them maybe against Macclesfield. Macclesfield can be a little bit up and down. They scored the last minute against uh, Maidenhead to win. They are in good form at the moment. But again, nobody will expect anything from them against uh, probably against either team here at the moment. They've gone from 
being a, a side to beat this, these sort of sides, the one that's struggling. 17 league games without a win is a real blow. And if they do lose to Solihull, they are, I know Jason has admitted, they're in a relegation battle, but they, they need to win some from somewhere. They probably get it the magical um, 50 points you've probably got to get, haven't you? So they're still 11 points shy of that. And they've got some tough games coming up as well, looking at their fixtures. But big week for them the next, this time next week, hopefully we'll, they may know where Maystone United is going to be. Or with their heading, at least, anyway. Indeed. Um, Dover also in action at the weekend, and it was a landmark day for Chris Kinnear. Hopefully we'll have heard Matt's excellent interview with him from the BBC. It's still available as well. I'm sure I have tweeted out the link a couple of times from the from our account. Um, but there were some bits left over, which we're going to play out for you now. Um, so here's Chris Kinnear speaking ahead of his 1500th game in management. 1500th game on Saturday. Uh, when you set out 32 years ago, did you expect... Um, 1,500 games or 1,499 games later, you'd reach that milestone? No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really want the job, uh, to be honest. I was playing down here at uh, Dover, um, captain, um, and the Huss, uh, Steve McRae, uh, got the sack. And then they said, well, I'd, as captain, could look after it till they find someone else. And I just had fame, a daughter, and then I thought, well, I'll do it. Uh, but obviously, I want to be with my family. Uh, but... You know, after one game it went, then it went two or three games, and then a month, and then we were doing quite well, and then it sort of got to the end of the season. Nobody said any more, nobody came in, and I started to bring players in, uh, and I was quite young um, for a manager at the time, um, and a player manager till I broke my leg. Uh, I just, and then at the end of the season, the house said, "Right, what are we doing next year? Then you know, who do you want to get?" And it was. So I just carried on. So there was no sort of, you've got the job. And I'd say we had a very good time and we had a bit of fun along the way. And was putting you on the spot here. Who's the best player you've managed? Wow. Um, I really can't say, I really can't say that. I've had some great ones back in the day, you know, the Dixon. And not so good ones. <laughs> no, I, no, I can't say. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't say that they're not good players because I'm the one that picked them. <laughs> so, you know, if players don't do well, I'll take that very personally, to be honest. Uh, I've always been like that. If they don't do well, I know they're doing their best. So what that shows is uh, I'm a bad judge. Uh, and that's why I don't. you don't ever hear me slag players off uh, because... I know they're always going to try. I've never had anybody that hasn't really tried. Uh, and I'm the one that chose them. Might not be good enough for the league we're in, but that doesn't mean they're not trying. So, But I, no, I, I can't say that they've all been great players. They've all contributed because the way our, my, my side, Kev's side, in these 30 years uh, um, have, have been... A team. There's not been many individuals. I know the Ricky Miller was probably a little bit different to most of the people we've had, but there have been people like Lenny Lee who scored goals and people, you know, people like that. Um, but you know, no, they've all been good players, really, because they've they've helped the club achieve things, and you've got to be a good player to do that. Fifteen hundred games is a, is a great, great feat as well. So, congratulations! And here's the next fifteen hundred, is it? Oh, you think so? Because it'd be nice if I could. If I've got two thousand, I don't think that'll happen. But no, it's just 
I don't. I, to be fair, it's only you that told me it was fifteen hundred. Really, I didn't really have a clue. I know you're good at the stats, and that's why why we always ask you. We we've got pretty good stats over those fifteen game fifteen hundred games as well. I, I think I think he's about fifty and fifty point five percent. You've won of the game, so you, you've won more than half your games. So you, it's a record to be proud of. Yeah, I don't think there's many people anywhere any league have done as well as that. But that's only because we've, I've been with a good bunch of players and and staff as well, and people, you know, directors and and manager, uh, chairman and clubs. So that's probably why, why it's been successful. I've been with, with a couple of really good clubs. 1,500 games from out, but I'm sure he's going to be very disappointed with how it turned out in the end, going down to a defeat at Fylde. They need to find some inspiration from somewhere, don't they? Brought in a new striker, obviously, but no joy as yet. Yeah, I think that's the most disappointing thing. When Dover have gone in ahead of games this season, so the last two away games, got the noses in front a couple of times they've managed to to see it out but maybe the formation of how it works you've got two in midfield which means they're going to sit back and over you know riding a little bit of pressure sitting back deeper and deeper and teams like Fylde if you don't know if you saw the goals in the weekend that Fylde scored but again they've just sat back sat back and you can't give players with a good quality particularly Danny Rowe outside the penalty here two players jumping in the tackle who gives him space outside the box and he pings it in the corner so defensively yeah we are struggling a little bit I thought maybe after the game against Dagenham when they sort of throwing their bodies on the line they would maybe going somewhere but disappointing result against Fylde but to be honest I, I think Fylde are probably one of the best sides in this division that I've seen this season so it's no shame in that it's just disappointing Dave got the nose in front and didn't have to didn't hang on but going back to the Chris Kinnear interview one of the things that did come out of that maybe you know is his passion he wants to carry on he's only 63 I think he is now and he's quite happy going on for a few more years so I think you know maybe it will be at Dover will be at other clubs I don't really know but it, Chris Kinnear is passionate and he wants to win things and of course I think he'd love to get into the football league as well so that's what came out of the, the hunger he had out of that in the interview I did with him which was I really enjoyed doing that's what came out for me because people some say that Chris Kinnear you know he can be in his interviews says the same things over and over again. He can be a bit of a laid-back attitude, but when you speak to him on a one-to-one sort of situation, his hunger is as strong as it was 32 years ago when he's become a manager, and I still think that hunger's there for him. So, Dover, you know, he'll do absolutely anything he can to get into those playoffs, but it? and he'll be working his hard to get into it, because you know, the season Dover have had from October, November, we mentioned before, I think they'll be really bitterly disappointed if they finish outside the playoffs after that good start they had. I really enjoyed the bit when you asked him about like sort of you know who who what bad players has he had played for him and he was like well I, I I wouldn't be a good judge of player if I said any, any of them were rubbish but some of them may not have been good enough for the league we were playing in which I found very interesting and, and you know he's, he he has done a, a great job um you know I've I've had dealings with him over a number of years and he you know he is what you what you see is what you get with Chris Kinnear. Um, you know, and I've said before, and I know you've got some feelings like that sometimes that formation that he sticks with all the time is a little bit rigid and he keeps faith with the same players. But 1,500 games in management is a brilliant achievement. And I'd like to say well done to him. And um, here's, here's to the next few. But, Matt, here's where I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. I don't want to detract away from his excellent achievement, but there seems to be a trend at the moment of milestones for the sake of milestones. And, you know, 1,500 games in management, Absolutely spot on, no problem. But earlier this year, there was a presentation for his 600th league game in charge of Dover. How do we keep up with all of these things? I, I think an example of, of this was Harry Kane's record calendar year for goals last year. Marvellous. Well done, Harry. But 
Who even knew what the record was until Christmas? You know, I, I like things like 1,500 games as a manager. Brilliant. But sometimes it just feels like we, we try and latch on to any milestone that we can for the sake of it. You don't really mention that he's, got, he's going up for his 900th game for Dover in about eight games as well, then. I, I, I can probably abide that one, actually, 900 <laughs> games. But if that's the case, he had nearly 300 cup matches in his time at Dover then. Yeah, yeah. Well, back in the glory days of... Um... He's Rome League South. You play about 14 cup competitions. So um, in those days, you had Eastern Floodlit Cup, which is a league tournament, the Kent Senior Cup, AC Dell Cup, no, numerous cup competitions back in the day. So um, from that point of view, I don't know what stat. I think there was, if you you get a prize, if you're the highest Premier League goal scorer in your history or something. Then. So like Roman Lukaku, when he was at Everton, got a silver plate as well, they get these days. But you think, Dixie Deep, mate, think about it, 19... God knows how many goals he scored for Everton, but they're more excited to give Lukaku, who scored the most in the Premier League. But as, as a lot of people think, football didn't start till uh, after 1992. But that's another rant we can go on to. It certainly is. Last and by no means least of our National League teams are the ones who are top of the shops in Kent now. Ebbsfleet United. They continued their good form with a 1-0 win at Hartlepool on Saturday. They've got a massive game against fellow playoff contenders now, Wrexham, on Saturday. And before that, I caught up with Luke Coulson. I started, though, by asking him how he was finding the snow that hit, that hit Kent on Tuesday. Well, to be honest, it's only just really hit us, and it's been absolutely dreadful uh, today. Um, so uh, half the lads didn't make it in to the, to the training, and we weren't able to get out on any of the any of the pitches. So we were in the gym uh, doing a gym session, so it's, it's affected, us, affected us in that way, but hopefully it won't be too bad. And um, Ebbsfleet, you seem to have hit a, a good run of form at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, four wins, and uh, I think that anybody watching those performances will agree that we've been we've been terrific in those four games, um, especially with the fact that we've come from behind uh, in one of them, and we've um, hung on to two one nil one nil wins, which is which is maybe not been the case throughout the season. We we have been known to let lead slip and concede and. I think that's been really important that we we seem to have hit, like you say, that run of form and we're getting putting some big performances together. And you look at the league table now, do you, do you think you've got a chance to get in the playoffs? I think we have to believe that. You know, we've always we've always believed it in and around that Christmas period. That was always our, our challenge. Uh, we always said from the start of the season that if we made it into the top 10 for a team coming into the league, that would be a big achievement. But now we're here. You know, we're eighth in the table. We're we're a few points off the playoffs, um, and of course there is that little gap uh, with Wrexham and, and uh, ahead. So I think Saturday is massively important for us if we can uh, prove ourselves against a big, big established team like Wrexham in a in a important part, stage of the season. I think that will speak volumes for our for our squad and and our ambition. That's just the start. You'll hear a lot more from Luke next week when he talks about confidence, Darren McMahon, playing in America and his plans for a career post-football. And, and without giving too much away, Matt, we'd better be careful. Um, Fleet, though, they're absolutely flying at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, four wins out of four. Um, I think you know, they went to that dodgy spell when they went to Bournemouth, another good side, Tranmere as well. But and Darren McMahon sort of played it down. Um, if we finish top ten, finish for champion, that's a good achievement for that. For me personally, I think budget that Epsley have got. I fancy them and I think probably went went back to listen to episode one of the pod. I did fancy them to get into the playoffs. I think they've got some quality Corey White that's come in. Um they've got firepower. Um, we've got Kedwell rank leading the line. So again they've got some big games coming up. I think uh, it could be a make or break game for Epsley and Dover on their 
Easter Monday where they play each other as well. That could uh, be a big game for both sides. But looking at Ebsley's fixtures, I think they've got a good chance as well to snatch that seventh spot, which I think is the only spot available at the moment, which I think I think the other six I mentioned earlier are gone. So there's no reason why they can't do it. And if it comes to it, if, they, if a player comes available, they have got the financial power to, to do that as well, which they've seen with Corey White, the amateur. As I mentioned, is a, is a fantastic signing for them. And people like Kedwell are going to be absolutely crucial for them in the running. His experience of what he can do. And, you know, he plays all the games, Kedwell. So, absolutely key for them. And, and so, yeah, Dan Wilmar doing a great job. Can they do it? Absolutely interesting. I've always put in your uh, uh, neck on the block, John. Which of those, out of our absolutely Dover and Bromley, 8, 9th and 10th, do you think any of them can get in the playoffs? I think that... Yes, we will have a team in the playoffs, and I think on current form it will be Ebbsfleet. I, I actually remember you saying in that early episode that you thought Ebbsfleet would be our top National League team. I personally plump for Maidstone, which hasn't aged well. Um, but Ebbsfleet, you know, as you say, they've they've got the power, they've got the form, they've got a bit of momentum at the moment, and I think you know you mentioned Kedwell there. He knows all about this. He's he scored the penalty that brought AFC Wimbledon into the Football League, so he's been in this situation before, and that. That guile, that nous that he's got is going to be absolutely crucial. And, you know, Luke Coulson there, very level-headed young man. The rest of the interview is absolutely fantastic. And I look forward to playing that for you next week. But players like him who are, who've got that desire, got that hunger, that's what's going to drive Ebbsfleet on. And I think that they've got every chance now. I really do. Yeah, I think, look at their fixtures on the paper. On paper. Um, again, again, looking at the pictures at the moment, they should be a little bit harder after this snow we've had in the last few weeks which may work in their favour with the quickness of just passing the ball around yet I, I can't if I, I would say at the moment out of the three of them on form I think Ebsley on will be can they get in the top again it all depends on the other team's form but I think they'll finish top out of the Kent side will it be enough to get the seventh we'll have to wait and see but I've got a good chance yeah, absolutely. Uh, this weekend, as well as that game, Mansfield, uh, as we've already mentioned, Maidstone have got a big game at Solihull. Bromley, as we've already heard, go to Chester. And uh, Dover hosts Leighton Orient. That was a quiet one last time, and I'm guessing Dover will be out for revenge on that one. Yeah, interesting. Leighton Orient last week in the trophy, they threw a three-goal lead again. So um, I'm thinking maybe their luck's running out of the trophy for that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a game that Dover, um, three defeats out of five, I think it is, in the league. Orient, I thought, were a very good side when they came to Gravel. You know, they three and up. They very deserved it. They deserved to win the game. So, yeah, Dover need to get back to basics. I don't know if they're going to try to get another player in before the weekend. But if the game is on, uh, it, it, I think Dover the next... They've got Chester, I think, next week as well. Two games coming up. They need a minimum of four points to keep in the hunt for the playoffs. Defeat again at Gravel against Lake Norin would be really disappointing, I think. Certainly would. Um, in a National League South, Dartford won again, beating Truro 4-1, but their lead was cut to just two points on Tuesday night as Havant and Waterlooville got their game on and beat Gloucester City 2-1. The Hawks still have two games in hand. We've discussed it before, points on the board, games in hand, but Havant and Waterlooville, they're, they're looking very ominous there. I wasn't that impressed with them when they played at Prince's Park uh, back in January, but all Dartford can do, I suppose, is, is keep on winning, can't they? Uh, on top of the pile at the moment, yeah, Havant and Waterlooville Interesting having a Waterlooville because um, years ago their pitch, you know, any little drop of rain, it was, it was um, game was called off. I don't know if they've improved the pitch there because all the think the snow and all the weather, bad weather they've got impressed that um, it went on. That well, result again, they came from behind to winning that, and the big stat you've got from there, they've only conceded 24 goals in 30 games. So 
momentum they've got from being promoted from their whatever uh, league they come out of, the Bostic Premier, whatever it was called last season. Yep. Uh, the manager, Bradbury, uh, Lee Bradbury, Lee, Lee Bradbury, if we use the comment, didn't they? Lee, Lee Bradbury from Haven there. He, he's doing a very good job. So, good form. And I think they probably, the, the confidence that they haven't got from Dartford losing those two, but that's a good result against Truro because Truro are, are, are going to be a side around the playoffs as well. So, yeah, Dartford, all they can do is, is, is worry about themselves and hopefully having them more to lose with those games in hand will come unstuck. Yeah, I mean, Dartford, you know, they've had a blip. And the thing is, is even though they did have that blip, they've always stayed top of the pile. So you just kind of think, you know, they're used to being at the top of the league. The other teams have had chances to knock them off and they haven't done it so far. Um, Dartford are at Gloucester themselves this weekend. That's a game they can go and win. And every time the team below them slips up, it, it seems to play into their hands, Dartford. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about them. And I'm also starting to feel pretty confident about Welling, to be honest. They've got games in hand as well. They're only two points outside the playoffs after their 2-0 win at Concord Rangers. Jack Parkinson gave them the lead before Ben Greenhow, who then missed a penalty two minutes later, put through his own net. Um, the Welling match report said the wind was cold over there at Concord. And having been to Concord myself before, I can only begin to imagine how horrendous it was over there. Yes, yeah, Ben Greenhow, he's one of these players I thought was... He went to Maidstone. When I've ever seen him in the conference now, one of these players, he had a spell at Willie, didn't he? Um, he? He was far too good for Conference South, and maybe he's not good enough for National League, so I'm missing a penalty against his old club. But yeah, Welling, Welling are very up and down. I think if we look at their league table graph um, coming in, it'll be really like a Manhattan sort of thing, those sort of things from that point of view. But yeah, good form, games in hand. If they win the games in hand, they go off for the playoffs and experience they've got. Not many sides would probably want to play Welling in then. No, a big game for Welling on Saturday as well as they play Hamill Hempstead, who, who are obviously up there. I think they're one of the teams just above them, and, and, and yeah. you've got Braintree on the same points with it, who've played the game more as well. So, you know, it's, it's very tight, and and it's what, another one of those things, isn't it? Momentum is key. You know, if Welling, from where they were at Christmas when they were on that bad run, if they can get into the playoffs, they're going to be feeling ten feet tall and will fancy themselves against anyone. And you know, this new play playoff format, obviously, it's the first time it's happened. No one knows how it's going to play out, do they? No, normally, normally the sides that when you finish fifth, you think the first is it's a double header, so you've got to go sides. If you finish seventh, you've got to win two, three games. I think it is away from home to get promoted, so um, that may play on your mind a little bit. But again, if you're a decent side who who play on the counter attack and a good away from home, that could really work into your favour. So yeah, winning still got a lot of games to play. I suppose you think about it, it's six, 46 games in this division. Yeah, it is. No, no, it's only so, four. It's only 42, isn't it? Oh. Uh, 40, 22 teams, so 40, yeah, yeah, you're correct there. So, yeah, I suppose we're coming into March from here now, so we've got two months of the season to go. So, yeah, it's interesting. But, yeah, well, they've got the experienced players in the squad. They seem to settle the goalkeeper position down as well. Um, Jack Parkinson, um, key player for them. Jamie Cole, we learned a lot in his first few months of management that could really work in their favour in the second half, or is it in the final part of the season. Yeah, and as, you, and as you said, if you're good away from home, and, and Welling are certainly good away from home. Um, in the Bostic Premier League, Margate's long unbeaten run came to an end as they lost 3-2 at Needham Market, and they again missed the chance to go top of the table. Um, as we said before, we're here to talk about Kent, but what a week it's been at Billericay, the leaders. Um, they've got 18 league games left to play in 56 days after their game was abandoned on Tuesday night. Um, a chairman and manager who are the same person but can't decide if he's coming or going, and went out of the trophy on Saturday. Um, they're not in great form, Billericay, and, and the games might start to catch up with them. And, and no matter how big your squad is, it's going to be a slog for them. And, and can Margate take advantage? I wouldn't be, you know, seven points in seven games in hand. You thought Billericay with their 
25 man strong. They we should have enough from that. It, it is interesting, of course. Um, Glenn Sampling's up there to be shot down at, and people are shooting him down at the moment. So, uh, and there's plenty of jokes on social media about how Glenn Sampling spoke to Glenn Sampling. Glenn Sampling decided to keep to sack Glenn Sampling, but then after a discussion with the players, Glenn Sampling decided to re-employ Glenn Sampling. So, um, from that, but I didn't think he was a manager because he hasn't he been away on holiday when they've had games. So, I didn't think he was a manager anymore anyway. Well, no, I mean, they've got Harry Wheeler, haven't they? Who obviously we know from Welling last year. Um, he's there as sort of assistant. Co- I think he was he was initially appointed caretaker manager for for about half an hour until Glenn Tamplin decided that Glenn Tamplin would be a better caretaker manager. Um, you know, so he's obviously been been leading on the, on that side. But I've never really understood the Glenn Tamplin as a manager thing because he's got no sort of football expertise. In, well, obviously he's he's got no experience at, at that level. So I don't, you know, I, I was always kind of surprised that that was the situation and. You know, whatever he's doing at Billericay, some in some aspects it's good for the non-league games. It raises the profile. In other aspects, it's not good. But he is putting himself out there to be shot at, and he, he doesn't seem to take things too well. I, I found a rather humorous Twitter account the other day called at um, GT Blocked Me, which is a sort of welcoming place for all the people that Glenn Tamplin's had a little tantrum with on Twitter and blocks. And you know, you don't if you want to run a non-league club and and say you want to be getting people through the doors, you've got to be nice to people. And and sometimes I feel like he he does miss out on that on that aspect a little bit. And, and you know, obviously, if you were a betting man and you had a large sum of money in front of you and they said who's going to win the league, you would say Billericay. But I look at it and I think that is a lot of games. If the weather doesn't improve soon, their pitch is in a bad state already as well. From what I've seen, you know, they had a hammering against Wealdstone in the trophy, and, and you would have thought that they would have done better in that game and all I'm really concerned about is can Margate or even Folkestone who aren't that far behind can they pick Billericay to this title because Billericay have got a loot it's Billericay's to lose absolutely but if they keep struggling with these games they keep having bad results they've got some big games to come I can see them sort of folding and, and all this stuff off the pitch may take away from what the players are doing a little bit, perhaps. Maybe that's a good tactic by Tamplin to, to take away from the players. But ultimately, those players on that sort of money should be performing better than they are, shouldn't they? That sounded like a Kevin Keegan style. I'd love it, love it if they uh, mucked up from that point of view. To be honest, I don't think they'll muck up. The, the quality they've got from that, I suppose the only put Margate got two games. Dulwich Hamley have got two games uh, less to play than, two games more to play than Margate. So maybe they could think they can do it. But of course, Margate, all our Kent sides want to play Dulwich in the playoffs. Because Dulwich have a terrible record. But I, I can't, you know, some part of me would hope that they would blow up completely and realise that money's not the be and end all. But I really can't see it. So I, I would probably say I'd love it, love it if Billericke um, um, lost the league. But I can't see that it's going to happen. But Margate's going to keep on winning, keep up momentum for the playoffs. Yeah, Folkestone are just two places and three points behind Gate after their win over Billericay last week and a 1-1 draw at Kingstonian on Saturday. Tunbridge Angels won again, beating Met Police 2-0. They're 11th. Um, this weekend, Tunbridge make the trip to Dulwich. Folkestone at home to Harlow and it's Margate against Kingstonian before the Ks are in Kent again on Tuesday against Folkestone and Gate try again to go to Leyston. Um, in the Bostic South, Cray Wanderers. Now, they'd only lost once all season on January the 19th. They've now lost five after a disappointing form continued with a 2-1 loss to Ashford United. A debut brace from Daniel Ajakai, I hope I've said that right, Daniel, uh, gave the nuts and bolts their best win of the campaign. Wanderers are now five points behind Lewis. You've got two games in hand. 
That target Tony Russell said to me a couple of weeks ago of 100 points is now actually mathematically impossible for Tony Russell's men. Ten, ten games left to play, but they need to get back on track quickly, don't they? I wonder what odds you'd have got that Ashford lost 9-1 whatever in the January, wasn't it, to, um, to Cray that they could beat them at home. It's probably one of those things. That's why we love football so much. Nobody would have given them an absolute prayer there, would they? But Cray, yeah, it's one of these things. I think we probably looked at that in the middle of January. We thought, oh, Lewis and Cray are going to win the league. But some of these sides have really crept on. The Corinthians, Cantrell's, Carl Shorten now. And from a Cray point of view, I think I'll be concerned that they're not going to get the top two out of this at the moment. The form they're going into um, they need to somehow get back on the back on the horse and get some momentum. Maybe that nine-one win, now as strange as it may seem, maybe gave them a bit too much confidence that they were going to go ahead and, and win this division. But they really need to start picking up points because Greenson and Carl Shorten are going for it as well. And Lewis, Lewis don't lose that many matches. They quite draw quite a few, but um, yeah, at the moment that's a bit like Cray. Yes, yeah, it's difficult there. Tony Russell must be uh, a little bit concerned. I think you were concerned as well. They were a bit lucky at Ramsgate, weren't they? When you saw it. I wouldn't say they were necessarily lucky. I thought they ground it out. But what, what was noticeable, really, was, you know, when I saw them against Hyde, they were a team who scored goals. You know, they, they always looked like a threat. And they didn't seem to have that that spark. You know, they've brought in Junior Dadson from Harlow, who's a player I rate really highly, actually. You know, they've got Charlie McDonald there. They've obviously got Michael Power up front. You know, they've got they've got the players, but they're just not sticking the ball in the back of the net enough at the moment. You know, you, you look at Cray's results, and they were they were scoring goals for fun. and then. You know, they've played East Grinstead, they've played Ashford, and they've not been getting the results that they need. And, and it's, it seems to boil down to me, to, to the goal-scoring side of things. So they need to find a spark from somewhere. You know, maybe they need a, another big win. Um, they're not keeping a lot of clean sheets at the minute either. But, you know, if they can go and get a 3-0 win at the weekend, that will probably give them the, the, the push that they need because they need to get back on track. It, because, as you say, the, the top two is starting to look a bit, a bit dicey for them because the teams above them have got games in hand. And, you know, they're now sort of clinging on a little bit to those teams. I know they've got Hyde to come to as well. And Hyde are thinking, right, if we can get they're three, they're six, nine points behind them at the moment, Hyde. But again, a win there brings Hyde back into the playoff position as well. So some pressure games as well for Craig, uh, I think, with Whiteleaf as well this weekend, weather permit, of course. So, you know, they've got some uh, pressure games. So it's interesting to see um, how the squad works out. You mentioned the experienced players in there, and they really need to dig deep to try and get their form back up again. I still think they've got a chance to get in there. They just need to get back to the form they had earlier in the season and get back to basics, really. Yeah, elsewhere, Ramsgate ended their winning one with a 2-1 win over Molesy. Liam Dixon scoring a last-minute winner. While VCD won 1-0 at Shoreham. Babisham drew 1-1 at South Park. Hythe were held at home to Horsham. Phoenix lost to Lewis, Thameson were beaten at Carl Shorten, and Sittingbourne went down 3-1 at Corinthian Casuals. Um, this weekend, Phoenix go to Chipstead, Cray hosts Whiteleaf, Herm Bay at home to Carl Shorten, Ashford's search for that elusive away win takes them to Horsham, where they were absolutely spanked in the FA Cup earlier this season, and I hope they don't repeat that mess with the kit, where they wore that luminous yellow kit against a team who play in yellow. Um, Ramsgate are also in Sussex as they travel to face leaders Lewis, Hyde go to Molesy, Sittingbourne host Greenwich Borough, Thamesme take on East Grinstead and BCD host Corinthian Casuals. And do you know what? That was probably a complete waste of time reading that out because I reckon only one of the, one or two of those games is probably going to be on at the moment. I was just thinking that, if, yeah, we should, probably have, we should probably have a sweepstake at the end of the pod. So how many games will be on in the county uh, or will our sides play this weekend? Looking at the weather, yeah. I think a few of them, some of the places you mentioned, I'm thinking... These places are probably covered in snow, snow, snow. 
Yeah, um, Tuesday night, a couple of games. Herne Bay go to East Grinstead and Sittingbourne against Ramsgate. And again, um, I'm going to try and go to that one, but it would need to considerably cheer up in the Sittingbourne area, I would suggest, for that game and the one against Greenwich on Saturday to get on. Um, incidentally, I don't know if you've been following the uh, the latest non-league projections for next year, Matt, which is, you know, is one of the things that I'm sadly interested in. But um, as things stand with the smaller Ryman League and, and the geographical way they're doing things. Both VCD and Phoenix apparently face the possibility of being moved back into the Bostic North for next season. Not too bad for them in some ways because they are close to a lot of teams that way. But fortnightly trips to the Dartford Tunnel, that's never fun, is it? Yeah, I, 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 have a, I think you put me on to this. I've had a quick skim at this and I was looking at more at the other outside the county and some of these things. I couldn't really work out why some of these teams go. I think Lewis and Worthing who are quite close were in totally different leagues. Things like that. So I, I still can't work out it is. You know, I suppose Phoenix and VCD, they're probably more the north of the county. So maybe some of the Essex times aside a little bit um, happier for them. But it'd be interesting to see. I, I presume these clubs are never sort of asked about these equations of what could happen. And they just get told. So it'd be interesting maybe when the season comes near its death, if we can get hold of uh, somebody from one of these sides and say, yeah, if they're happy with the situation. But again, one funny thing about all this stuff is, I mean, obviously that there's been a map release now sort of showing the rough areas where everyone's going to be. And um, a lot of people in, in the north of the country are getting their knickers in a knot regarding the, the big, the vast areas that some of their leagues are in now. Um, and they're saying, oh, the, the, Isthmian, uh, the Isthmian League, the, or the Bostic as we call it, is, is tiny by comparison. But Ultimately, the the teams in the Isthmian League are good enough to be at that level. So, would the would the people who live in, in the north, where the teams aren't so concentrated, prefer it if they had less distance to travel and teams that were better than them would turf down leagues below them? I, I just don't understand their point. Uh, it's one of these things you, you, you can never win from any of these these things. Of course, there's a lot of places you know around the M25, such like this and the Bostic. Teams are close, and, te- and luckily teams to have football clubs. So. We're quite well populated around here. We just have to get on with it. I suppose we're lucky. 90% of our clubs who are in this level will stay in the same level. So from the ge- geographical location we're in. So, but again, it's always going to um, cause uh, problems and, and contentious decisions. I'm sure um, the non-league papers uh, letters uh, page will be full of people moaning out of it. So I look forward to reading them. Excellent. Um, just finally, in the, in the Southern Counties East League, Seven Oaks are a point clear at the top, but were held 2-2 by Cray Valley, who Kevin Lisby scored both the goals. Uh, Beckenham lost to Croydon. Whitsville 1-0 winners over Corinthian. Uh, Sheppey's game with the other team up the top there, Crowborough, was called off due to a power failure. But the big news is probably at the other end of the table, where Hollands and Blair are off the bottom after a 3-2 win over Rustall. They're probably still going to go down, but after waiting so long for that first win of the season, to now be off the foot of the t- table is a fair achievement for Hollands and Blair. I looked at the table and thought, oh, they're done and dusted a long time ago. So fantastic for them to do it. Maybe a bit of momentum, a bit of change around the club. I think they are, are going to be, um, they're going down on that point of view. But off the bottom of Rochester United, they do have a couple of games in hand. They've um, growing a little bit of confidence and I'm absolutely delighted for the people there. Kevin Lisby, 39, banging them in. Again, I mean, scored a Premier League hat-trick. So uh, can't be many people in the scaffold who uh, can say that, can they? 
Certainly not. And I think the, the things with Hollands and Blair is, you know, they are obviously down the bottom of the table. That's the, the way they are. They are probably going to go down. But it's all about momentum for next year. If they finish the season well and their manager can keep their players together, then I think there's no reason why they can... Um, why they why they can't push on and then hit the ground running next year and try and get back up. Um, on Saturday, Seven Oaks have a tricky tricky trip to face AFC Croydon. Beckenham play Sheppey and Wits will go to Newly Bottom Rochester. All the other fixtures, many of which I expect to be called off, are on the Southern Counties East League website. Um, that's it for this week's show. Um, I can tell you that no one has stacked it in my eye line while I've been here. Although I did see uh, two lads get in the car that was parked in front of me. Uh, put about six loaves of bread in the boot. So they're obviously uh, still panic buying. Um, but no, everything's everything's okay. No no injuries to report, which is, which is good news. Um, Thanks for everyone for it listening. It like I was some sort of eating my car. People hoping that people get injured in the start. I'm not really, but I thought definitely outside Tesco is probably a, a prime location for people to back it. So I'm quite delighted that nobody has been injured in the while we've been recording this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks as always for uh, for the interviews, uh, Neil Smith and um, Chris Kinnear and Luke Coulson. And say so you'll hear a lot more from Luke next week. And it's a, it's a really good interview that one. I assume you're at uh, the Dover Orient game Saturday, Matthew. If that's on, if not, I'll be going to push to Margate. So, again, Margate, I presume that the 3G's pitch could be wiped clean with a brush of the snow. So, I presume that going on to our question, how many games will be on from our National League all the way down to the scaffold? How many games do you expect, John? I'm going to go for eight. Oof. I suppose we've got quite a few. Uh, I'll go for six and we'll, we'll go from there. I, I presume... Again, you think like Epsleet, people like that, Bromley, they'll probably know on a Friday they be on. So um, it all depends if, if the beast from the east is still coming on Friday. But the, uh, watching the weather at that, I don't think they actually know if it is coming Friday or not. Do you, you, have you been? Have you got plenty more there? Do you know anything exactly about the weather? Have you been looking into it? Um, not really. I, I know that it's supposed to. Uh, uh, my other half keeps talking about ice rain coming tomorrow, so um, I don't know what that's going to be. Was but um, gladiators ice rain. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It it probably isn't as fun as it possibly sounds. Um, and then I think it, uh, the understanding is that it's going to be a bit milder next week um, or over the weekend. It's going to sort of clear away and become wet. And I'd imagine that you know all these pitches that have had all that lovely snow and, and ice on them can't wait for a bit more water. So you know I can see I really do think the program is going to be completely obliterated over the weekend. But uh, there you go. Anyway, we'll get thinking of something to talk about next week, then, John. So um, well, maybe exactly. I better start watching that. Um... Love Island, whatever the program is. I think I, I I don't know if it might be about to finish, but I also don't care. Um, right. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, feel free. We're on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, and we're on Facebook at Kent Non League. Um, all that remains to say is thanks, Matt, for giving his time up as always, and thanks to all of you for listening. And we will shall speak to you all next week. Thanks very much. I'm off to build a snowman. <laughs>